today on the Rita Mimi Do It Show. Don't grow too big too fast. When you have success, right? I had success. I'm like, oh, if we're already having success, I need to get more and more inventory of this item and more go bigger and no, scale. no, 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 no. <laughs> That's not how it works. Just because that dress sold out, you don't buy 10 more because then they just sit there, right? So it's, I grew too big too fast in the beginning and I had to scale that back. And so just be really measured in your growth. A, l- a little bit at a time is much better than going from right from like one to 100. That's for sure. I made that huge mistake. Because of Rita, I got on the news. Because of Rita, I had 15 speaking engagements last year. Because of Rita, I've become a six-figure business owner. Because, because, of, Rita, because of Rita, I've doubled my revenue by doubling my clients. I'm Rita, business strategist, speaker, and success coach. Also known as the gal who went on 35 dates in 35 days and blogged all about it. And this is the Rita Mimi Do It Show where every week I bring you the real information about what it takes to go all in on your dreams so that you can build a profitable business and live a positive life. Some weeks I'll have a guest and others it'll be just you and me. Like we're out on my deck sharing a bottle of wine. The conversation, yeah, it'll be that real. Welcome back to another episode of the Rita Mimi Do It Show. I'm really excited because not only is my guest just incredible and you guys are going to learn all about her, but she's my friend. And I always love to, I mean, I guess everybody I've had on my podcast to some extent is like my friend, but like Molly Dare, who is joining me today, is like my friend friend. And I'm really excited. I'm going to see her actually tomorrow, the day after tomorrow in New York City. I'm, I'm, by the time you hear this, we've already become best friends in real life. But, um, you've, you've heard me talk about Clubhouse before. I've met Molly on Clubhouse. So we talk like every day, all day long. And I just am so excited for everything you're going to learn from Molly. But I'm really excited to dig into a conversation with somebody that, um, I truly have like been talking to every day since January. So Molly, thank you for being here today. Oh my gosh, Rita, I am so excited when I found out I was coming on. I'm like, yes, finally, we get to have a a longer conversation than our usual 60 to 90 seconds. I know, (laughs) our 60 to 90 seconds. Now, what I love about Molly, well, there's a million things that I love about Molly, guys. But um, so Molly runs different rooms on Clubhouse, but she runs a morning room, which is very shortly like after my morning room in the morning. And Molly, and we both like have this morning mindset like we're all about like motivation and positive thoughts and like affirmations and and helping lift and elevate others and that's what i'm really excited to dig into with you today molly and we, and we will but about that's literally what i think your superpower is is to help shine the light on other people and help people really get seen in a way that i i think that sh- reflects them the way they want to be seen by other people and you have this like innate skill of being able to tap into people and do that for them. And so I'm curious, I can't wait to like uncover how you do it. And you're probably like, oh, I don't know. <laughs> I don't know how you do it. But we'll find out. We'll find out how you do it. But uh, first things first, I ask one question of all of my guests. So there's always that one question on a podcast that like everybody gets asked, right? Which is, tell me about you at age seven. What was Molly like at age seven? Oh my goodness, Rita. Okay. So Molly at age seven was a combination from what I remember and what I've been told, very stubborn, very stubborn and very shy. So it was a combination of complete shyness, but also just stubborn about things that I, that I wanted. (laughs) Um, 
But um, but yeah, I didn't. I was a I was a shy kid, which most people find surprising, just because I make my living talking now. <laughs> but I I honestly didn't talk for a long time to the point where my teachers um, scheduled conferences with my parents because she doesn't talk in the class. Like, what are we gonna do? Um, so just very shy, very insecure. Very insecure. Now tell me a little bit though about things you loved. Like what were things you loved doing and like hobbies or ways that you liked to play or, you know what I mean? Like, tell me a little bit about that. I had an amazing imagination. We lived on a farm growing up, which also people find surprising. Cows, horses, bulls, chickens, you name it. And I loved being outside. I loved uh, living in this imaginary world. I get lost in like our backyard and um, I just was always like the main character of my own, (laughs) my own movie in my mind. Um, and I just, I just loved it. Like I loved where we lived. I loved getting lost in the woods behind the house. Um, I actually did get lost in the woods behind the house. I had to call the police, but that's a whole other story (laughs) (laughs) for another day. But yeah, just, I always had this huge imagination. I kind of always saw things as a movie as bigger than life. Um, which kind of correlated to what I did later in my life. But um, I also really loved animals. I mean, I grew up on a farm. We had every animal you could imagine and just really had a love of of animals too. And we could like dive into this question in so many different facets, but I I, I could tell you don't know, you didn't know that that's a question that I asked, which is fine. And, and here's why I ask it. There was a study that was done. And I know if you're listening to the podcast, you've heard this a million times, just fast forward 10 seconds. But um, there was a study that was done that says you're at your most authentic at age seven because you're fully developed mm. enough to know who you are, but you don't yet really care enough about the world to worry about what they think, right? So you're showing up as your most authentic self. So the the skills, the talents, the strengths that you use, like those are like your authentic, like way, your authentic core, your authentic ways of being. And so I always tell a story about how I loved to play dress up and I loved to pretend I was on stage. I loved to pretend that I was like in a play, right? I would come down with my Fisher Price tape player and be like, hit it and like start like performing, right? Well, the minute that later, like just a couple of years ago in my business, I started feeling stuck, right? It was because I had stopped speaking. I had stopped performing. My business had gotten so big and uh, busy in other areas. I had stopped speaking. And so I realized it's because I wasn't using those core pieces of me that I felt like stifled and like stuck. And the minute I tap back into it, you know, everything changed. So like when you're feeling stuck, they say, go back to who you are at age seven and make sure you're showing up as that core. Right. Which I think is so incredible that you ended up saying, well, things were like, I was a character in my own movie. Right. Like I was moving through the world as if it was a movie and there were things that were happening and stories to be told because that's what you do. So for my audience that doesn't know, right, like Molly owns Hill and Brand Media and her superpower, her passion, her her skill is to help people tell their stories, to share their passion with other people. And she does that through like a variety of ways, but it's on video with like filmed segments and podcast interviews and and interviews on the camera and really digging into highlighting the person to tell the story, not just sharing the story, but like using the person to tell the story. And so I, I love that it fits with Molly at age seven, right? Yeah, you know, and you reminded me as you were talking, Rita, about when I was 
10 or nine or 10, a group of my friends and I, we, we created star studios in this little side barn on my property, which was our stage and our theater. And I would direct and they would star in these performances. And I'm like, now it's all correlating. Right? And I, okay. I, but even then when you're like, I was moving through as if life was a movie. So you saw other people as being like characters and stars yeah. in your movie. Right. And then also here, you just said I was the director, right? Like you, like me, I'm like, I dressed up. I was on the stage. I had the microphone. You're like, I directed, right? So you've always had this, like, whether you knew it or not, this pull to highlight other people, to put other people in the spotlight and to like get them, you know, seen and known. And so I, I love that. I love that it fits in, that it fits in. And I think it does tighten with being shy a little bit because you're yeah. again, oh, absolutely. yeah, you're, I mean, even when you're on the camera, you're on the camera to highlight and facilitate a conversation with other people. It's not, and here's Molly. I do not like the camera on me. And you could ask anyone I've worked with, that is a fact. I'm always like, nope, put it on them. Put it on them. <laughs> I, and people find that so funny when I say that because I am an on-air host and I, I will do those kind of things too. But um, definitely my comfort zone is more behind the camera. Well, why are you so passionate about helping people tell their story? Like, why do you think that that's an important thing to do? Why should people share their story with the world? And I know we're saying people in general, mainly you work with business owners, I I imagine to do this, correct? So like, let's focus on, on business owners. What does it mean for a business owner to share their story? Because I think people get lost in the weeds. And I know on Clubhouse, people get lost in the weeds when you're like, share your story. And they're like, let me take you back to when I came out of the womb. And you're like, okay. (laughs) Okay. (laughs) So if somebody were to ask you, what does that mean, Molly, to share my story? How would you explain that? Well, I would explain it. Well, first, why I'm so passionate about it is because as I started my own businesses, I saw firsthand how much value it brought when I was willing to step in front of my my store or my company or whatever I was doing at the time and become a person that people could recognize and relate to. And that made them want to come into the store to say hi, to shop, to because they felt like they know me. They understood what I stood for. They got behind causes I was passionate about or raising money for. It all kind of correlated. And that was way back when, um, you know, to show my age, this was 15 years ago, when before personal branding became such a, you know, a hot topic. And it just, it made me realize, oh my gosh, the greatest advertising you could do is you, right? It's not necessarily buying these ads and showing your products and which is helpful too. It's great. But when you step out and you say, hey, this is me, this is my store. And let me tell you why it matters to me. Let me tell you the thought behind my store. And this is why I created it. And this is a love of passion of mine. This is my third child. And I'm a single mom and blah, 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 blah. And when people, st- you start sharing those parts of you, those vulnerabilities, then people are like, oh, wait, I'm a single mom too. I kind of like this person or, or I see a, a connection here. And it just becomes more familiar and more accessible. And and then people want to follow you. They want to root for you. So as I start new initiatives, I, I first, you, you kind of first hook somebody in through sharing your story. And then as long as you're consistent with it and it's real, um, they follow you throughout your journey. So any new initiative that you launch from that point on, people are rooting for you. They're not just followers, they're fans. They want you to succeed because they see a part of um, themselves in you that wants to succeed as well. And so I think it just really creates a beautiful community. And where do you begin with sharing your story? How do you share your story? Yeah, well, like, let's pretend like somebody hired, let's pretend somebody, everybody hires you, but let's pretend somebody, that my audience, you listen 
listening right now to this podcast that you've hired Molly, right? Like, and they're like, okay, Molly, I don't even know where to begin. How do I know what pieces to share? There's so much to my story. What do I share? How do I figure it out? What do you help people? How do you help people make that clear? And that's a common, common question. It's like, I don't even know where to begin. There's so much to my story. Listen, I have 42 chapters, almost 43 now (laughs) to my story, right? I'm not going to sit here and share all 43 on Rita's podcast or, but there's certain parts of my story, certain chapters that relate to this conversation or my business or whatever. So what is the message? What is the feeling that you want people to leave away with depending on who you, depending on your audience? So first you want to look at who is my audience? Who am I speaking to? Who is this business's demographic? If that's what we're talking about. Okay. Once you have that demographic, what's going to inspire that specific demographic? What do you want them to walk away feeling or knowing about you? Pick three of your 43 chapters and really highlight those three that make the most sense that, that lead up to the big message that you want to, um, to leave everybody with because people go on and on and on and on. And then when I was 21, this happened, this, it doesn't matter. I mean, it matters, <laughs> Don't get it wrong. It matters, of course, but it's not going to give that feeling that end feeling. It's actually going to detract because as we all know, when people talk too long, you lose the main point. So you got to hit them with, with three, like really top, nuggets that correlate to that message and hit it strong and come from a place of power. Because the last thing I'm going to say about this topic is, you know, my most favorite quote in the world is speak from a scar, not from a wound. So you want to make sure whatever story that you're sharing, that you've healed from it. You're not in it. You're not still feeling the emotions. You won't hear me talk about things that I'm currently going through right now, because I don't have, I haven't come out the other side of it yet. I don't have the scar. I don't have the lesson learned. So I'm not going to talk about it right now. What I'm going to talk about are the things that I've gone through in the past 30, 40 years that I've learned the lesson from that I'm coming from a place of power. Like you can go through this and come out with this lesson as well. Yeah, no, I know. All right, guys, podcast is over. Thanks so much for joining. No, I'm kidding. It's like you could leave this podcast right now. And that's what you have. And so I worked out. It's about that intentionality. We talk about this in a lot of episodes and reverse engineering. You have to really know what is the end result I'm trying to achieve. And then what is the feeling people need to have to motivate them to take action towards that result or to do the thing you want them to do? And who are the people? And then what do you need to tell them? So what do you need to say in order to get those specific people to feel that specific way? So they want to go do that specific thing that is ultimately the result that you want. So right there, guys, like that's a nugget that you can take away. Let's talk a little bit, Molly, about your uh, previous businesses because you, you highlighted them. And um, and I know you had two retail stores, one in New Jersey and one in, in Chi-Town, one in Chicago. Um, what, what made you decide to start retail? Retail is not a business for everybody. I mean, I know I worked in retail, didn't know my own store, worked in retail for a long time. It is its own beast. What made you decide to open a store? Well, listen, my high school years were spent uh, working in Express. If anybody was in a mall at any point, <laughs> you know what you Express, know Express is. Yeah. yeah, the limited, <laughs> all the things. Yeah. So I, I was like, I'm never going to do this again. <laughs> right? um, you know, what happened was there was a need, right? A lot of businesses spawned from it. There was a need. There's something not being fulfilled in the area in the demographic that you're looking to serve. So I saw a need in my town once I had my first child that there was not the style of clothing that I liked, that I wanted to shop for, for my child. So I contacted the designers and I said, hey, you know, I would love, we don't have your style here in this town. I know there's a need for it. And um, would you, would you be able to work with me to do trunk shows in my home? That's how it started originally. And 
because I always go big, that's just, I don't know any other way. Um, I contacted all the designers I love that were carrying it. And I said, can you all send your, your clothing? And I'm going to do a trunk show in my home. Long story short, that trunk show turned into taking over my dining room, my living room, and my office. It was filled with garments of all these, you know, clothing. And my husband at the time was like, listen, I love what you're doing, but you're going to have to take it out of the house. Like it's got like, to go. We need our home back. <laughs> and there was a, you know, retail store, you know, open in town. And I'm like, why not? They said no. First, when I went to them, they said, no, children's clothing doesn't do well here. And I said, but this isn't a clothing store that you've had before. And they said, no, we're not going to do it. So that to me is a no, not now. But I came back the next day and I said, well, how about this? And like Molly, no, it was the third time. And I got a call. I was not in town. And they said, I said, can you just meet with me one more time? I think, I think you're really going to like this. I flew back. They said, okay, we can meet with you tomorrow. Flew back. And I said, this is what I want to do. This is why it's going to work. I laid it all out. I said, I will take the brunt of it if it doesn't. They gave it to me mostly because I think they just wanted to get rid of me. (laughs) (laughs) They gave me the lease. And the rest was history. I had that store. I started it in Princeton, New Jersey, and it did great. I opened, ended up opening up a bigger store there in Princeton, New Jersey. I ended up going through a divorce and realized, okay, I know how to do this. Now I need to large scale it up to 10 times to make the, up for the amount of money I was just about to be losing. And I opened it in Chicago. So I was like, it's got to be in a city. We've got to go bigger. We need more foot traffic. We need more inventory. We need more people shopping, coming in. So that's what made me come to Chicago to open up the second location. And yeah, the rest was history. So yeah. I had two of those retail stores. Yeah, so I love it because I, I, you know, I did some research on you, but I also knew this about you anyway. And that one of your lessons is like, just don't ever accept no as an yeah. answer. Like, at a, I mean, obviously, guys, <laughs> Molly will accept no. At a certain, she's not going to push everybody to do everything that Molly wants. But it's that idea right. of when you really have a goal for your business and there's something you really, really want, you kind of have to be persistent about it. Because you do. I mean, going back to seven-year-old Molly, right? I'm stubborn. And stubborn. if I believe in something See? and I'm passionate about it and you, you just get that feeling like, I know I can do it. I know I can make it work. We all know that feeling, right? We know when something's like, oh, maybe it'll work. Or when like, oh, I know. I've got it. That's that feeling. And I just, I take no as no, not now, not a no forever. Yeah. Not a no forever. And like, I, I love how we keep tying back to seven. Like I'm so sold on that study guys, because I've never had a guest who wasn't like, oh my gosh, you're exactly right. Like seven year old self is exactly rooted in everything I do today. But here's a question I want to ask about the the retail stores. What is a lesson or maybe two lessons that you learned from retail that could apply to service providers who maybe have a product, right? Like, here's the thing, right? We learn so much in retail that I think service providers, it is different. It's very different than having a retail store. But I think there are lessons that can be learned from retail that can really help a service provider. What would be one of those biggest lessons? So many lessons. Retail is not easy, you guys. Even if, you know, Allison, I was in the baby market and, and clothing. You think people would come in and be happy and just excited, but like retail is tough. It's tough business. So here are some lessons that I think I could um, share just about, you know, that that industry in general is uh, don't grow too big too fast. When you have success, right? I had success. I'm like, oh, if we're already having success, I need to get more and more inventory of this item and more go bigger and no scale. No, 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 no. <laughs> That's not how it works. Just because that dress sold out, you don't buy 10 more because then they just sit there, right? So it's, 
I grew too big too fast in the beginning and I had to scale that back. And so just be really measured in your growth a a little bit at a time is much better than going from right from like one to 100. That's for sure. I made that huge mistake. The other thing is how important customer service is and responding to the customers and not taking it personal if they're having a bad day or whatever. You have to act professional. You have to respond to every single inquiry question. I, I can't tell you how upset one bad review ruins all the other good ones. And so you really want to make sure that the customer is served, that they are heard. You don't always have to give them what they want, but at least make them feel heard, that they're valued, that their opinion matters. Yeah, I love that. That's that's one thing that I talk to my clients about often is, you know, they'll get a client or two or they'll have some traction on social media or they'll have, you know, a certain number of downloads on their podcast or whatever. And they're like, cool, what else can I do? Like, I need more people, more eyes, more places to be visible, more. And I'm like, no, 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 just keep doing what's working and get really good at it. Make that work like a well-oiled machine over and over and over again. And a lot of that ties into serving the eyes that are already on you and stopping worrying about getting new eyes on you, right? Like really go deep with the people who are already like following you and connected to you and believe in you. So I really love that you had to say that. Let's, I want to, there's so much. I have like, literally, like if you could see, I have like all these questions right in front of my cast. There's so much to tap into when Miss Molly Dare here. But um, one thing that I want to talk about is your pot. So you're really great at helping highlight people. You're great at, we, we've said, uh, said already, making people the star of the show, helping them tap into their story so people can really resonate with them the way that they want to be seen. I, th- I think I said um, a couple of episodes ago, people have this innate desire to feel connected, to feel understood, and to feel valued, right? They want to be connected to other people. They want to be understood by them. And they want to feel valued like they matter, right? And you are really good at helping people do that. You do that one way, not just through your media company, but through your podcast. Tell me a little bit about On Air with Molly Dare. Like, What are the stories that you're talking about there on your show? Well, On Air with Molly Dare came about because of um, the fabulous pivot of 2020, right? So I was used to doing, we had just started filming the Spotlight series, which is the thing that I've resumed now, and it came to a screeching halt. So I was going to be interviewing these people and um, doing kind of these in-depth discoveries of their mindset, et cetera, and it just all stopped. And I... I didn't know what to do with myself because for so many years, that's what I did. That's what fuels me. That's what I love to do. And then I was just left with nothing. And so I was like, how am I going to get these stories out? Like there's so many stories that need to be told. And I've seen the impact that it has when people share their stories and somebody gets a spark in them. And, and I mean, so many comments from every single person, every time you share a story, Rita, I share a story on Clubhouse, we get messages back like, oh, what you said inspired me to do X or Y. So there was just this like passion of, oh my gosh, how am I going to do this? How am I going to get these stories out? And I'm like, oh, podcast, right? I can do that from home. And, you know, how hard can it be? Well, it turns out to be a lot more work. <laughs> turns out to be a lot more work than I thought. Yeah. Um, but I thought that was a natural way, right? I can do it from home. And I can still spotlight these amazing stories of entrepreneurs, their journeys, how they got through certain obstacles to hopefully inspire, you know, others, because that is what we love to do is, is hopefully that one little something, that one sentence that somebody says caused that spark. And so that was kind of the, the impetus of, of starting the podcast back in, I'm, I'm a newbie. So I started just back in December. I think we're on episode 32 or 33. 
But you're kicking, you're kicking butt. Look at that. You're being consistent. You're showing up. One thing I love about the description of the podcast is you said it's really about people and their their hardships, their celebrations, and their lessons learned. And one thing I want to highlight there are celebrations. I think that, you know, stories, people sharing their story is so hard for them to step into that spotlight, to be the face of their business, to step out in front of their business, because that act, I think, in and of itself is celebrating themselves, celebrating who they are, the actions they've taken, why they've done something. Why do you think it's so hard for people to celebrate themselves? Like in general, right? We, we have rooms where it's like, celebrate your wins and people struggle to be able to celebrate themselves or to say, you know, I heard you the other day in a clubhouse room, like share the wins you've helped your clients achieve, share your own wins, like brag on yourself a little bit, right? Like you need to do this. Why do people have such a hard time with this? It's such a great question, Rita. And I know you're just as passionate about this as I am because, you know, the the buzzword of the year right now is authentic, right? And share your vulnerable side. And I think that's really important too. Don't get me wrong. I do think it's important that we share those. I do feel it's just as important that we celebrate our wins. We should be cheering each other on and ourselves on because those wins are not always easy to get. And even, and I don't mean like huge wins, like Emmys and, you know, awards. I mean, like, you know, daily, you know, smaller wins, because those are significant too. And we don't stop and appreciate how hard we're all working. We don't celebrate when something goes right. And I want to make that normal for, for us. I feel like it's so much harder for women for, for some reason. Um, I think we're, we're worried about what people are going to say. Oh, she's bragging. Oh, look at her, you know, talking about how great she is. Yeah look at her talking about how great she is. Why are we not applauding each other? Why are we putting that down? I never understood that. I never understood that. I don't, I don't get, it's not in my realm of reasoning. When my friends win, I'm excited for them. It doesn't matter if I'm having a crappy day. It doesn't matter. I'm still excited for you and your win. It's okay. And I think sometimes we get worried with our own friends or family if they're not in this, in, in the place that we're in or they've had struggles that we can't say that in front of them because we make them feel like, oh, you haven't reached this level. But if you're surrounded by the right people, that's not how that works. Yeah. We should all be just so genuinely happy for each other. We should. There's a, uh, you know, I, I quote myself a lot. And so there was a quote that I that I said once, and it was like, "We cheer for other women to succeed until they do, right?" And it's like, and then the minute that they do, it's like you. And I, it happened because I was speaking at a conference, and the whole conference had been like. We lift each other up. We cheer for each other's success. And then there was a woman who got up to speak and she was super successful and she had obtained like this big milestone at this conference. And I listened. I was like a guest speaker, so I wasn't in the industry, but I listened to everybody else who was at the conference in the industry. Start like whispering and like start like kind of talking down about it and start like, you know, like minimizing her successes and wins to each other. And I was like, there we go. See, we say that we will cheer for each other for success until the person reaches success. And then we're like, oh, so but I think you're right. That ties into that insecurity and other people. And one thing that you do well that is not natural to other people is you look at what's going well, not what's going wrong. Right. Like your driver, I think, is what's working, what's going well. I want to focus on that. But so many people can't look past what's not working. So how would you help someone who comes to you going, 
Molly, I don't know. I want to tell my story. I want to share it. I think it can help grow my business. But I mean, here's everything that's not working in my business, right? This isn't working and that isn't working. And I don't know if this is going to work. I don't know if sharing my story is going to work. What would you say to somebody who's really struggling to get past what's not working? You know, it's it's funny because I used to, I, I'll speak for myself, I used to look at failures as just embarrassment, right? And that's why we don't often announce you know, what we're doing next, because what if it doesn't work? And we don't want to have to say, well, tried it, but it didn't work. And there was just this switch between, I think it's because I threw so many darts out there because I had to, and I was just like, I'm just going to throw all the darts out there and see what lands. And people started saying to me, Molly, I can't believe all that you're doing. I can't believe all that, you know, I, I would never even have the guts to do all that. And I started realizing no one's paying as much attention to you at first as you think they are. They really aren't. <laughs> like as much as we like to think, oh, everyone's watching my every move and, and watching, you know, oh my gosh, how am I going to tell them that didn't work? They're not watching that. What they're watching is the fact that you tried. That took a tremendous guts to like even try to do that. There's people that won't even make the effort to try. So start celebrating that you even made the effort. Good for you. You're trying something new. You're expanding. You're growing. You're seeing what's worked and what doesn't. The only way a business can grow for you to grow personally and professionally is if you try new things, if you learn what doesn't work. And what's the lesson from that? You're going to take, I don't know anyone who I look at who is successful, who didn't fail multiple times. And I don't think that they would have gotten to where they are if they hadn't have failed. And I hate the word failure. Yeah. But but I do think it's important that we as entrepreneurs, business owners, whatever, try every avenue possible. And so of course you're going to fail. Normalize failing just like we said we we're trying to normalize celebrating successes. Normalize failing too because you know I, I'm someone that when my friends call me like oh this didn't work what am I going to do? I'm like I'm so proud of you for trying in the first place. <laughs> That's amazing. And now what did we learn there from comes that? there comes our little Molly that hearts everything. So I'm in a chat with Molly guys and like literally every comment she's like heart she roots everybody on though. You do. You root everybody. Well, I also have Botox emojis. I have one expression. For some reason, Instagram won't let me, won't let me change my my emojis. So I'm just all I can do is hard. So. I know, but it looks so it looks so cheerleader and it looks so great. But it's I mean, it would have been the same thing, a happy face, a check mark, or something like that. But um, no, a hundred percent right. And this is where mindset is so important. It's I, I tell this story once I said, look, like. I, it's completely and totally inevitable that I'm going to be a million, that I'm going to have a million dollar business, right? That's a done deal. It's on its way to me. It's happening as we speak, right? Now, I don't know when, I don't know how. Could it be from everything I'm doing right now, the clients that I'm working with, 100%? Could I also go outside tomorrow and somebody's like, I really just want to give you a million dollars for your business? Like, absolutely. And I'm totally here for that, right? But like, <laughs> so many people would think if it came from a way that's not the way they mapped out and planned, then they failed, right? And so the minute yeah. that we start going, we are looking for evidence in our plan. We have a plan. We're looking for evidence that it's working. And if we don't see evidence, we think it's not working and we're just going to stop, right? Whereas if you just kept working it, you're going to get to the result. It might not be the map you drew. You might get there a completely different way, but you're still going to get there, like to where you want to be. And mindset is so important for that. So what are some of the mindset practices that you do? Because I know morning routine, morning is important to you. Mindset is important to you. I'm curious what Molly Dare's mindset routine is. Um, great question. And, and again, you know, 
I, I love how um, morning routine is having a shining moment, like avocados had its moment yes. and then it went to kale. <laughs> and now morning routine is like the big, <laughs> the big word. Um, and, and here's the thing I tried, especially early on in 2020, I really tried to stick to this morning routine thing. Cause I was like, Oh, this looks cool. Let me, let me do this shtick. It doesn't work for me. And I'll tell you why, if I didn't accomplish what I set to do in that first hour, I felt like I didn't accomplish. Do you know what I mean? Like, I don't, I don't want to start my morning feeling like I didn't achieve what I love to achieve. So this is what I decided to do instead. I give myself from 6 to 7 a.m. every morning to do whatever the hell I want to do. Yeah, And that could be me grabbing a piece of co- uh, coffee, sitting outside with my dogs and just sitting outside and being present with myself. That could be me being on Clubhouse. That could be me reading a book. But it's whatever I feel like doing. The most important part of that 6 to 7 a.m. is that I'm present by myself. That is a gift I give to myself every day because the rest of the day is kids, work, you name it on. So that to me, like I cherish that, that hour in my morning. And that is like, literally I start the day with a gift to myself of that hour of being present, doing anything that I feel like doing to me. What's more important is the evening routine. So I'm going to make evening routine happen. Okay. This is why we are best because I believe that the evening is the first part of the morning routine. A hundred percent. So I'm curious. So tell me about your evening routine. I agree with you. And I'll tell you why we're probably the same here. So my evening routine from someone who is an insomniac, a recovering insomniac, I should say, who had trouble sleeping. And to me, sleep makes or breaks my next day. I, I can tell the difference of on if I've had a good night's sleep. Anyone who's watching me on air uh, would be able to tell the difference on if I had a good night's sleep or not. So what I realized is I had to create a routine for myself at night that allowed me to have a good night's sleep. And that is a couple of things. That is me mind dumping at the end of the night. And that means if there's something weighing on my mind that has to get done to, you know, for tomorrow, whether there's questions I have to queue up for an interview or something that's just like laying on my head, I get it done. I make sure that it's done before I go to bed. I also invested in nice sheets and nice pajamas because I need to feel good when I get into, so I splurged on a nice bed sheet set and I splurged on nice pajamas because I want to feel a certain way when I get into the bed. There's all certain things that I do to make sure that when I go to bed, I'm ready to sleep. I also, the last thing that I'll say is that I do is I never work in my bedroom. Yes. When I get up out of my now I understand some people live in studios and all yeah. that and you can't but yeah I love that I took the TV out of my room so long ago when I lived in Chicago for law school I had a t- I mean I had a roommate you, know, you didn't want to hang out all the time with your roommate so I had a TV and like my whole life like in my bedroom in case I didn't want to go out into the living you know main living area or whatever and uh that was the that was the hardest habit for me to like kick. But the minute that I took anything out of my room that wasn't sleep oriented, right, or rest and relaxation oriented, like the minute I did that, my sleep got better, everything got better. I just, I this is why we we are meant to to be friends. <laughs> I'm, I'm curious because you you're the single mom of two girls, and now I am two girls that have been raised by a single mom. I'm one of, you know, I have my sister, Holly, and we've been raised by my single mom. Um, All of these little lessons around like celebrating mindset, like time for yourself. What have you imparted on your girls or what do you see in your girls that they've picked up from you that you're just so excited and you're just so tickled that you can tell you're like, they picked that up for me. And I'm so glad that they learned that from me. I'm curious, like, what do you love seeing in them? Well, they're both very stubborn. So I definitely <laughs> pass that one on. <laughs> and I'd love to pick your brain um, being raised by a single mom while it stuck out for you. But, um, you know, I would say for me, 
you know, and I got a lot of flack for this when I was younger and I was first going through the divorce and my kids were four and six at the time. They're now 13 and 15, almost 16. So I brought them with me everywhere into my stores. Um, I flew them to Chicago with me on the weekends. They were up with me late at night doing inventory. Um, they were not happy about it at the time. <laughs> that's for sure. And I had people giving me, I can't believe you're bringing these kids all over. What are you doing? But I'm hoping, and what I think now when they look back, they say to me is how special that store was to them and how they loved being there and they felt so special being behind. And what I'm hoping that it imparted to them is that here I am, a woman, right, who's going through a divorce, life's not going the way I thought it was going to be. And I'm going to show you how to build a business from the ground up. And I'm going to show you what it takes. And it's not people look at entrepreneurship, like, oh, I'm going to live this luxury life. I'm going to be on yachts on the weekend. No, it is. <laughs> that's not called entrepreneurship. I don't know where that came from. That's retirement. <laughs> <laughs> that's retirement, guys. <laughs> that's why we're all working our asses. Off. Yeah, that's all. exactly. But, but, you know, I wanted them to see that it takes 24 seven, there's no off button on this thing called entrepreneurship and owning your own business. And so I think they have instilled in themselves grit and they see that they've got to work. It's not easy and that they have to work and they are going to build their own businesses and how important that is to go out in the world with that goal of what am I going to do to make an impact in this world through my skill set? Because that's what I truly believe is, okay, we're all given different geniuses. We're all, that's what makes us all amazing. Like, I can't do what you do. I can't do what, you know, so-and-so does. Anyone who I interview, I'm like, wow, I could never do what they do. We each are given this incredible genius. Now, how can we use that genius to impact others in a positive way? That's where the gold is. That's where it all like comes together. I used to think in my 20s, um, you know, that that success was had a this financial number next to it, right? That would feel successful to me is when I made X amount of dollars. And don't get me wrong, right? I do need to get paid. <laughs> um, but but really I realized later on in life that it's in the amount of people I impact, not in the amount of dollars. The money will follow if you're creating something that's impacting others in a positive way. I promise you, the money will follow because you're providing a service, you're, you're fulfilling a need. And that's what you have to really think about as you're starting a new business or, or, or deciding what your next step is in your business. How can I create the biggest impact and provide the most service to people? And where is the need that I can fulfill with my talent set? You know, there are a lot of stories about you. <laughs> there are a lot of stories oh. going around the internet about you. No, what I mean is, you know, and people, you can Google Molly Dare. She's been on lots of podcasts. She's been on lots of shows. And so there are lots of stories we could have dug into in terms of like, when you were a kid, you got Lyme disease and it really set you back. There were a lot of like struggles. I mean, it wasn't just like, I'm a little tired sometimes. Like you really got hit hard in the early stages before Lyme disease was even really a known thing. And it caused you to, you know, almost not be able to talk or not talk for a while and have an ID. But then you also went through, you know, um, your divorce and you've opened these retail stores and you've been a single mom and you've had all these businesses and they're all these. My question for you, because again, we'd be here for eight hours if I asked her about all of these stories. And there are a lot of these that are already on other podcasts and I don't want to be like every other podcast. So my question for you about it is what story drives your life? If you really had to pick a story that is the driver of your life, what is that story? Oh, that is such a good question, Rita. 
there's two that are, have definitely are the most impacting and you touched on them both and, and definitely was being ill, you know, for as long as I was ill um, in, in those pivotal years when all you want to do is fit in. I was so ill from age uh, 13 to 15 during those middle school years and in hospitals. And I went to school with an IV pole as a whole after school special. I mean, it was, <laughs> it was, it was, it was not good, you guys. Um, and, you know, I watched, I watched my friends, I watched everybody move on without me and get boyfriends and live their lives and go to dances and, you know, hanging out with each other on the weekends. And I was home, uh, barely getting through a day at school, but barely keeping up with my schoolwork. And as Rita said, you know, I lost the ability to speak for a little bit. I had the words in my mind, but the illness had gone into my synapses and I couldn't speak them. And I couldn't move for a while from the neck down. Um, Anyway, it was a whole mess. And what I realized in that moment when I came through it, so it wasn't during that, but when I came through all that, and I'll spare all the details, was just this immense appreciation for the most small things. I don't get bothered by by little things anymore. I just the things that normally set people off course, I don't even like it doesn't even impact me. I don't I don't let it get me off course because I know what it feels like to not be able to speak to move, to be able to keep up with your friend, all of those things. Now that I'm able to, there's very little that can rattle me. I'm very like even keeled through most circumstances. And I think that actually, you know, that definitely set the course for how I was going to live my life and, and the appreciation and the immense gratitude I had for each and every day. It drives people around me crazy because every single day I act as if like, I have to make the most out of it. Like, what are we going to do? Where are we going to go? I got to do this, this, this for work. I got to accomplish as much as I can. And I don't know if going through that, I always felt like I was on a ticking clock of time that like, oh my gosh, I don't know how much longer I have on this earth. I got to make the most of each day and I have to accomplish so many things before I'm done. And it's just, for some reason, that's just always in the back of my head, not to be morbid, but it's like, how can I create an impact while I'm here? What can I do on this Monday or Tuesday and, and to make the most out of this day or where I am? And that that really has been just my driver in my thought process um, moving forward. I, I love that. that. That's so great. And it's such a great segue to another question I had that I was like, how am I going to tie this in? But now I can tie it in, I think. So let's see how well I do here. But there are a ton of opportunities that come your way. You're like, there's so many things that I can do and so many different ways that I can impact people. So I'm sure that you have all of these inspired ideas day after day, but also lots of requests, right? Hey, Molly, will you be on my blog? I was like, hey, Molly, this and that. Like, hey, one thing that I really love about you, and there was a quote that I read of yours once where you said like, only say yes to what will get you there. But I think people struggle with knowing what those things are that will get them to where they want to go, especially when there's so many things coming at them. I say, once you start growing your business, especially, you're going to be hit with like opportunity after opportunity, client after client, thing after thing, potential sale after potential sale. There are going to be so many different ways. One thing I want to know about you is how have you learned to make a decision about what to say yes to and what to say no to? Decisive action to me is one of the most important skills of an entrepreneur is being decisive, taking decisive action, but deciding isn't easy. And so I'm curious, have you come up with a way that helps you filter what those things are that are moving you forward to what you, where you want to go versus like things that may seem like they are, but they're really, they should be a no for now? Such a good question. And I I say to everybody, it took me until literally I was 40. I can tell you, I even know where I was, what day, everything to learn to say the word no. I am a recovering people pleaser. 
I, I used to just say yes to everything, right? Cause you never know when you're gonna get that opportunity again. So why not say yes to it? Like, Oh my gosh. And I listen, I have flashy syndrome, you know, if something's exciting and, and flashy, yes, all the way. Yes. Um, what I learned was when I, I turned the beautiful age of 40, um, was how beautiful it was to say the word no. And the reason why it feels so good now to say no is that it allows me to show up better to where I say yes to. And I think that's really important because what I realized was by me saying yes to all these things every day, all day, I was giving 40% of myself to each of them. I'm exhausted. I, you know, I say I'm an introvert who took an extroverted career path, right? So I'm drained by, you know, being on air, on camera, by producing and filming the podcast, et cetera. Like it's draining to me because it's not my natural state. And so I, I need to recognize that. And everybody needs to recognize that in themselves is what's draining to you, even though it's exciting, whatever it does, it drain you. Does it allow you to show up better? Um, you know, where you're headed to next. And if the answer is no, it should be a no. And it doesn't mean that you don't give that opportunity value or that you don't appreciate it or love the person behind it, but you're not going to show up as your best self. And you're not going to show up as your best self to the next thing that you said yes to. So you, you owe it to the things that you already said yes to, to say no to the other things that come along. And if I wasn't able to, to do this, you know, podcast today, you know, I would have said, I just can't, right? Because I had to look at my calendar for the day. I know how many things I can put in my day at this point where I can give it my best self. And it's, which is usually two, I can show up for two interviews or two, I can do a filming and a podcast in one day. I can't do more than that because then I'm exhausted. You're going to get Molly at 20% and nobody wants that. So um, I just think that's really, really um, an important mindset is is not feeling guilty about saying no, but saying but feeling better about what you said yes to. Yeah, feeling and I love that you'll you owe it to the things that you already said yes to to say no to these other things. And guys, you can even pull the lens back on that, like in a bigger, broader way. Like if you're saying yes to coaching, right, you might say no to writing a a chapter in a book for right now. You might say no to that podcast opportunity if it's not like in alignment with that. Like they're just, if you know what your one through line is, you can kind of see, well, that's cool. That will help me make an impact, but not the way I want to, not how I want to. And it's okay to say no. And I think that that's so important. Um, Molly, there are a million questions I could ask you, but I'm going to ask you just another big question. And then I want to ask you a, little, a couple of little questions to tie things up. But um, we talk a lot of, well, we talked a lot today about like sharing your story and how you share your story and why it's important and how the sto- stories drive who you are and how stories help connect and build loyalty. But let's say that somebody's like, you know what, though? Let's not talk about telling the story I have. I really want to write my story. I want to write my own story from this point on, right? I want to move forward. Molly inspired me. I'm not looking back. I'm not looking at what went wrong. I only want to carve my new story going forward, right? Which is something you've done. You've reinvented yourself time and time again in small ways and in big ways. What advice would you give to someone who's sitting there going, I'm excited. I don't know where to start with this, but I want to write my own script. I want to write my own story. What would you say to them? You know, I had that moment. So, I mean, when I went through my divorce and I had this whole vision, as a lot of us do when we're younger, like, oh, I'm going to get married. I'm going to have X amount of kids. I'm going to live here. It's going to be amazing, right? Like, hard stop like plot twist. My, my life didn't work out that way. So I had a chance and not everybody gets this beautiful chance in life. And I, I like to look at it as a beautiful chance a Phoenix rising from the ashes. How many chances in your life 
Do you get to start all over again? That you get to write that new script. That should be feel like you should develop tremendous courage and excitement from that. And it's an amazing chance to start something new, find a new hobby, find something that sets your soul on fire. It's the only thing that got me to move on in my life, right? To not sit in that victim mentality of, oh my gosh, I'm a divorced, you know, single mom. That's my, that's my story. I thought that's where my story ended, right? I'm this divorced single mom. That's it. That's my title. No, 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 no. There's so much ahead and you are the writer. As you were saying, Rita, you are the writer of that script. But now it's your time to really, really go out of your comfort zone. It's, I mean, really what got me through it was starting new hobbies. My friends were like, hey, come and start yoga. That didn't end well, by the way. But I <laughs> tried. Another reason why we're probably really good friends. Yeah. I I, but Molly, Molly and yoga do not get along. Yeah. Um, but I tried it, right? And I was trying all, I was trying all new things. I was going on solo traveling, solo vacations. By the way, everyone needs to go travel by yourself at least once in your life. And I promise you, you will be addicted. You'll never invite anybody else again. <laughs> uh, no, I'm just kidding. Uh, but no, it's just as fun with friends. But you learn so much about yourself when you go solo, even just going to a restaurant solo, even just go and be present with yourself, discover who you are all over again. And I promise you the best story will come from that point forward. So good. That's it, guys. And that's what I used to tell my date coaching clients too. like, take yourself out. But then I freaked them out. No phone, no book. I just want you to sit at that table with your own thoughts and also make eye contact with people and smile and see what's going on around you because that's where the stories come from. Like everything that you're seeing and everything you're experiencing and we can get so lost. So Molly, how can people, I know you're working on the Spotlight series. I know there are a couple other projects. Tell me what's going on in your world right now and how people can um, support you and see what you're doing. Um, yeah, thank you so much. So yes, my current project that I'm working on right now is the Spotlight series. So I have been filming for the past four or five years, um, videos, sharing people's stories and their journeys, um, you know, marketing them and their story behind their brands for them to use for marketing purposes, etc. Um, and then I got this amazing opportunity to film what we're calling the Spotlight series. Um, where I'm picking really some amazing entrepreneurs and thought leaders to share their stories for this specific project. So if you're interested in being featured on this specific project, you can reach me at mollydare.com slash hillenbrand or just go to mollydare.com and you can follow the links um, and you can schedule a discovery call for that. So that's the main project that I'm uh, looking at. And then also, of course, if you're interested in being on the podcast, um, there's an application link for that too. My podcast is um, focused on females. Um, my spotlight series is both men and women. Awesome. And we're going to put all the links to all of those things in the show notes, as well as links to Molly's social media accounts. So you can, you know, do some more stalking and take sneak peeks of her <laughs> and figure out who is this woman? How do I not know who she is? And we're also going to put a link, guys, to her clubhouse because her clubhouse profile, because her clubhouse rooms are incredible. So just really get to know Molly, learn. She shares so much about herself and her story, but I think you're really going to be inspired by how much you learn about yourself by just being around her in her world and you're going to start finding pieces of your story that you're going to share as well so molly thank you again so much for being here i'm so excited to see you in a couple of days it's gonna be fun thank you so much for having me thank you and guys thank you for listening again be sure to join me next week you know that next week following an interview all the time i take in i dive in and i talk about my favorite part of the interview and then that turns into 
breaking it down into how you can do it today and then live coaching someone through it. So if you think you might want to be a live coaching uh, participant on this podcast, email me at feedback at readamimidoit.com. You might be selected and I promise you will love it if you are. Go have a great week, guys. I'll catch you next week on another episode of the Read and Mimi Do It show. Hey, before you go, thank you for listening to my show. I hope that you enjoyed this episode. Please take a minute to subscribe to the show on Apple Podcasts or wherever it is that you get your podcasts and leave a review. It'll only take you a second, but it will help other people discover the Read and Mimi Do It show. And my goal is to share this business-boosting and life-changing content with as many people as possible. In fact, because I value your time so much, every month, one reviewer will win a free coaching call with me. So if you want to get laser-focused and go all-in on the results that you most want in your business, then leave a review now. And then head on over to readamimidoit.com where you can find the show notes from today's episode.